I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of First Class Fatherhood. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, it is time for the top five most downloaded dads of the NFL episodes in 2019. And there were so many awesome dads who joined me from the gridiron this year. I highly encourage you to go through the archives and take a look at all of the dads of the NFL who joined me, including my interviews with Heath Evans, who spoke about his sexual harassment charges that he faced at the NFL Network and how that affected him as a dad. NFL head coach Hugh Jackson, who spoke about the effects of child trafficking. Also, we heard from Super Bowl champion A.J. Hawk former first-round pick Jason Babin, also Jordan Palmer, who talked about a revolutionary helmet that is hitting the NFL, and so many others. But as far as this list is concerned, it is the top five most downloaded episodes of 2019 with the dads of the NFL, and we begin at number five with Tim Brown, who is one of only nine players in football history to win the Heisman Trophy and go on to be enshrined in the NFL Hall of Fame. Tim Brown, of course, played at the University of Notre Dame. He went on to have an incredible career with the Oakland Raiders. Tim Brown at number five. Number four is Ronnie Lott, which is very fitting because Ronnie happens to have four Super Bowl rings. I truly enjoyed my conversation with the NFL Hall of Famer, and judging by my downloads, you guys did too. So if you missed out, you can hear it today. Nobody ever hit harder than Ronnie Lott, and Ronnie Lott hits today's list at number four. Number three is Carson Palmer. He is the second Heisman Trophy winner on today's list. He dominated the college football scene as a quarterback for USC. He was the first overall pick of the 2003 NFL Draft. Carson talked all about life after football and so much more with me. The feedback from this interview was tremendous. So number three, you will hear from Carson Palmer. Number two is Terrell Davis, who is one of a small group of running backs to ever rush for 2,000 yards in a single season. He is also a Super Bowl MVP and an NFL Hall of Famer. It was such an honor to have TD on the podcast. You will hear my interview with Terrell Davis at number two. And number one on the list is my Super Bowl 53 Media Day episode, which featured my interview with the greatest NFL player of all time, Tom Brady. It also includes my interviews with Bill Belichick, Julian Edelman, and so many others. Being in Atlanta and speaking with Brady about fatherhood just before he went out there to win his sixth Super Bowl was one of the biggest highlights for me in 2019. I released this episode on Super Bowl Sunday, and the downloads just erupted, making this the number one episode on my list of most downloaded dads of the NFL episodes in 2019. I hope you enjoy this collection. Tomorrow, I'm going to hit you guys with the top five most downloaded Navy SEAL interviews of 2019, so make sure you stop by to check that out. And as always, please help me spread the word about this podcast to any father, any neighborhood, or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that celebrates fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with the top five most downloaded dads of the NFL episodes in 2019. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, joining me now is a first-class father. He won the Heisman Trophy at Notre Dame. He went on to have a legendary NFL career in which he was selected to nine Pro Bowls. He finished his career with over a 1,000 receptions and 100 touchdowns. He is enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and it is an honor for me to say, Tim Brown, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you very much. Good to be here. All right, let's start here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? I have four kids. Um, I have a 30-year-old son. Um, and a uh, 21-year-old daughter, and a uh, 16-year-old boy-girl twins. 
Wow. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, I have four children myself. My oldest is 13, so I got a ways to go yet. Uh, what, what type of uh, sports or activities were they all into? Um, you know, my oldest son really never wanted to do sports because sports was the thing that sort of kept dad away. So he, uh, you know, he was a bookworm, he got a biology major in college. He's a nurse now at Children's Hospital here in Dallas. Um, so, you know, he was really not into the sports or whatever. Uh, the other three were heavily into sports. My daughter played um, volleyball and ran track. And the twins, um, you know, cheerleading and uh, the girl, anyway, the boy played football, basketball, red track, and uh, now he's sort of just concentrating on track a little bit. But I think it's senior year next year, he'll get back out there doing a whole bunch of sports. So so we uh, we got our hands full, no doubt about that. Yeah, very cool. Do you ever get involved with coaching, or is that too much of a distraction and you just enjoy it from the sidelines? Yeah, I, I did. I coached my son's uh, eighth-grade football team uh, two or three years ago. Uh, quite frankly, it's probably the best time of my life, man, having the opportunity to coach kids, have a successful football season, and to be there with your son uh, was um, was a highlight for me, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, it was a good time. But, yeah, you know, the girls not so much. I don't mess around with those girls' sports. But, uh, but yeah, with my son, I certainly got out there. Yeah, awesome. All right, Tim, if you could, just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background. Yeah, well, um, you know, I'm, I'm the uh, the fifth of the six kids. I was a baby in the family for for about 17 years. My parents had tried it at mid, in their mid-40s that they wanted to have another kid. Uh, but uh, so I grew up in a very, very close family. And uh, my mom uh, was a missionary in the church, man, so we... Wednesday and Friday nights. I wasn't playing football on Friday nights. I was always in church. Uh, of course, all day Sunday. We had Sunday morning service, Sunday afternoon service, and a Sunday evening service. Uh, so that's just how I grew up. Uh, but uh, so, you know, I think from that standpoint, you know, even though my parents, um, you know, they, they were married for 52 years until my dad passed away back in 2011. Um, you know, I think uh, their main thing for us was for them, for us to get an education. You know, I mean, they really didn't have that opportunity growing up. And uh, so for us, that's all they talked about. So, you know, so a lot of my decisions over the years have been based on, you know, uh, not trying to be better than what my dad, but, you know, trying to go further than he was able to go, you know. And certainly when the opportunity to go to the University of Notre came came around, um, it was, you know, we could care less about football. All we thought about was education. And, um, you know, when I walked out the door to go to college, <laughs> I remember my parents said, boy, there's no future in football for you. You go out there and get them grades and get on back in and get to work. <laughs> so, uh, but with that, that mindset, I took off uh, going to the uh, University of Notre Dame, and I think that mindset sort of uh, – played well for me because I wasn't worried about mistakes I made on the football field or even when I played great, uh, my focus was, was squarely on on graduating on time and getting back home. And um, and all that changed when the great Lou Holtz came in. And uh, when he came in, he basically told me that he thought I could be the best player in the country. And because of my attitude towards football at that time, you know, I basically told him, you got the wrong guy, coach. You know, I mean... 
I'm here to get an education. I'm going to go back home, marry my high school sweetheart, be a deacon in church, have six kids, move on with my life. You know, and uh, he said, well, you may do all that, but you're going to be the best player in the country, too. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, two years later, I was the best player in the country, and and you win the Heisman Trophy, you get drafted first round of the league, and, you know, you play 17 years in the NFL, uh, end up in the Hall of Fame. Uh, certainly didn't see that when I left in 1984 heading to University of Notre Dame, but uh, I think when you have good intentions, man, and when you try and do the right thing, great things happen. And uh, So yeah, that's uh, as quick a background as I can give you. Yeah, what an incredible journey that you had, Tim. And I love the fact that you keep God first in your life. I do the same myself here. and I feel like the combination of God being removed from so much of our schools and society combined with the fatherless crisis that we have, really has a lot of devastating results in our country. Are you still involved with um, mentoring teens and kids with the athletes and entertainers or kids? Yeah, oh, most definitely. I'm actually wearing an FBA shirt right now as I'm driving down the road. Uh, um, I do a lot, of, a lot of stuff with FBA around Dallas and uh, certainly around the country. You know, I, I have a mentor mini camp up in California that I do every year. I've been doing it for over 20 years now. Um, so we have certainly tried to keep our nose to that grind, no doubt about it, uh, because, you know, anytime there's an opportunity to speak to some kids, uh, you want to, uh, you want to get that out there, no doubt. So, uh, but for me, it is probably, you know, the most important thing I can do at this particular point, because I don't believe that God put me here and, you know, gave me the opportunity to be a Hall of Famer and all this other stuff for me to just sit on it and to uh, gloat about it because, you know, I got this jacket, I got this ring, I got all this stuff that could easily be gone tomorrow. Uh, but uh, my name may be on the record, but, you know, all that, that tangible stuff can be gone. Um, but, uh, you know, I certainly believe that he put me here to be able to let folks know, men, women, boys, and girls, that... Um, you know, hey, you know, I'm here. I'm here for you. When I give you all this talent, I need you to turn it back and give it right back to me. And uh, whatever way you see fit to do that, I think is what what has to be done. Yeah, very well said. And I know that you didn't you didn't play football as a high school freshman. I know your mom didn't want you to, and then you kind of snuck in there. I guess it was your sophomore sophomore year of school. Uh, and a lot of parents they they're on the fence about letting their kids play just because of all the different reports with the CTE stuff. Um, so, so what? What's your opinion on like young kids playing tackle football, and what's a good age you think for them to start? Well, you know, I, I actually started. Um, I I was playing. My mom just didn't know I was playing. She didn't find out I was playing until my my sophomore year. Me and my dad had a little some some going on, and because uh, you know when you're in junior high school, you're basically practicing during the school hours. You're not practicing after school. And uh, freshman year, because I was in the marching band. She just thought that I was practicing marching band after school and before school. <laughs> um, and my sophomore year, you know, I had a couple of good games early on and uh, was named sophomore sensation for the month of September. And all of her friends were calling her, telling her I was in a newspaper. She came to me thinking that I did something wrong. And uh, she was searching through all the bad parts of the newspaper looking for my name. And uh, finally, I told her, Mom, you probably should check the sports page. And uh, there I was on the front page of the, the high school section of the uh, sports page anyway. So that, that uh, you know, an argument sort of ensued that uh, when her, her, her and my dad, that was me. But 
But I don't know what my dad said or did, but uh, he said or did the right thing, and and uh, she was all right with it for the most part. You know, always wanted me to, re, you know, to quit playing football, but, uh, you know, not to the point where she kept me from playing the game, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible, Tim. Uh, and what, what type of uh, what type of disciplinarian are you as a father? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, my father was a very strict disciplinarian. I mean, he was uh, not that he ran in and, and you know yelled or anything all the time, but he was just one of those men that when he spoke, there was no no cross talk, no back talk, no anything. That was that was the end of the conversation. Whether you liked it or not, you may have walked out the house mumbling or walked away from him mumbling, but mumbling so low that he couldn't hear it, because if he heard it, it was going to be a problem. Uh, but, um, you know, so, um, and I, I didn't necessarily have a problem with that, because, you know, by the time I was 9, 10, 11 years old, you know, they didn't have to worry about me anymore. I was I was straight-laced, and I understood one thing. I remember the last weapon I got, my mom told me, all you have to do is do what we ask you to do, and you'll never get in trouble. And if it's the wrong thing, then that, that'll be on us. And I, you know, I sort of applied that to, to everything in my life. Uh, I guess my wife probably would like me to do a little bit more with her, but uh, uh, other than that, you know, with my coaches, <laughs> with my with my teachers in school, you know, um, I just did what they asked me to do. And uh, figuring that if I did that, then I, couldn't, I could never be wrong. And that sort of, you know, is the way that. Uh, so all that, all that being said, man, you know, uh, you know, these kids these days are so different, right? You know, it's hard to, you know, say a word and to have that be the last word sometimes. But um, so I will engage them in some conversations, but then you know, uh, enough is enough. Uh, you know, it comes to a point where would you say, you know, what what's been said, or you know, when it's the final word, it's the final word, and you know, and I think they understand it about me. They understand that I am flexible a little bit, but at the same time, when I say that's it, that's it, you know, and uh, you just sort of move on. Yeah, very well said. And about how old were you, Tim, when you first became a dad, and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Uh, what, what did you say about that? You said how old was I when? Uh, uh, about how, how old were you when you first became a father, and then how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Um, well, you know, I didn't quite do things the way that, uh, I probably wanted to do it. I should have, should have done it, but, uh, um, yeah, I was, um, at 23, I was, uh, I was a father, and, um, uh, my, uh, college, uh, sweetheart, I guess you can call her, uh, even though I didn't think she was too much of a sweetheart, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, but, you know, my mom and dad knew that that it was going to be problematic. I used to always say when I was young that I love love kids and, you know, I wanted to be a father and I used to tell them all the time, I want to have as many kids as I can afford, right? And so when I made the pros, uh, my mom was like, oh, Lord, what? <laughs> and then Taylor came, you know, she was really concerned, but, you know, we, we got that thing under control pretty quickly. Uh, but, you know, change, having Taylor really did change me in, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, but I, I knew even at that, that age that whatever I was going to do, good, bad, or indifferent was going to affect him in the future. And, um, so I, I tried my best to, to be the best person I can be. You know, I mean, playing football is playing football. You know, you can only, 
you know, you're going to have some good games, some bad games. But um, but certainly I always knew that I can control what I did off the field. And, uh, you know, the older he got, especially when he got into, um, you know, uh, late late elementary school, fifth, sixth grade, where people really realized who his, who his father was, um, I realized how important it was for me um, to be uh, an upstanding citizen so he wouldn't have to deal with nonsense that could possibly go on to school. Yeah, very cool. And that's important now, too, just with the fact that uh, social media uh, provides, you know, so much trouble for a lot of the teens, especially in high school right now, with all the different apps that are out there and different ways bullying takes place. Uh, and it's a big difference. You know, I didn't grow up with the technology uh, uh, just as you didn't. How do you kind of monitor or handle all the technology and stuff with your kids? Man, it's, it's really tough. You know, it's really tough because, um, you know, my wife and I talk about it all the time, you know, and sometimes when we go out to dinner, we make everybody put their phones in the middle of the table, you know what I mean, because otherwise there would be no conversation at all. <clears throat> or there'd be conversation, but you're talking to the tops of, of, of people's heads, you know. So, you know, so I think from that standpoint, man, it's uh, there's a time and a place for everything. Uh, unfortunately, they think the time and place for for phones is all the time, and 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 every chance they can they can they could possibly do it. So, um, but um, you know, it's one of those things that you have to be cognizant of, no doubt about it, and 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 make sure that they are also. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you know that it is a part of of the world that we're in, and you know, I I don't know where I would be without my phone. So, you know, you can't, you know, take phones away and think people are going to be, are going to be, uh, you know, are going to be happy. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's so challenging, Tim, just because, I mean, everything that everybody does revolves around the phones, whether it's with work, emails. Uh, it, it's so difficult to lead by example. I find it for myself, and I'm trying to do that uh, as best I can, but it, it is quite a challenge. No doubt, um, no doubt. Uh, all right, and you, and you played four years at Notre Dame there, and I know a lot of guys come out early for the NFL draft, especially when they're as talented as you are. W were you ever tempted at all to come out early, or was the plan all the way, education, and go all four? Yeah, you know, back in those days, man, you know, you really no one was really coming out early. I mean, that was uh, uh, Chris Carter that came out early because, you know, he got in a little situation where he had to come out. Uh, but other than that, you know, you really didn't have uh, guys coming out early, you know. So uh, I, I'm sort of glad that that was the case because um, I don't know. I mean, if I come out early, uh, you know, I obviously don't win the Heisman Trophy, you know what I mean? So even though my junior year was a lot better than my senior year, um, you know, but I, I would have left going to going to college, um, I mean, going to the pros without without a Heisman Trophy on the ball. So, um, so I think from that standpoint, man, you know, I, it, it was not something that was even on the table at that time, as far as we were concerned. Um, you know, we had uh, had our eyes set on four years, and, and um, again, the only person that I knew at that time who went out early was Chris Carter. I mean, Michael Irvin didn't come out early, Shannon Sharp didn't come out early, you know, no, all Andre Bruce, all those guys who wouldn't have drafted me were all four-year guys, you know, so... Uh, so I think from that standpoint, it just wasn't something that was on the table. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that has changed now. Uh, what what about your plans? What kind of plans or goals do you have for yourself now for the future here, Tim? Um, you know, I am 
you know, working every day, man, to 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 be more in ministry and and um, to to be able to do things on more of a full time basis. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, I I'm, I'm, uh, I have a lot of charity work going on. I have a lot of stuff that I'm doing uh, in the business world. So uh, God understands. God knows my heart, and uh, you know, I'm certainly you know doing speaking engagements, and you know. Uh, I'm part of the uh, the the team of uh, youth leaders at our church, so I'm certainly active there, and I'm uh, just trying to do as much as I can possibly do, man, to uh, um, to make sure the the big guy in the sky is, is happy with what's happened out here, you know, and you know, and uh, raising kids in that manner is not the easiest thing to do because sometimes you're not the coolest dad around. You know, because you're not going to get out on the dance floor and shake your butt and drink alcohol and do all this other stuff. And sometimes your kids don't understand that. But um, but I know they will one day. And uh, my oldest son does. He gets it. He understands. Because uh, he may have saw a little bit of dad when dad, before dad totally committed. You know what I mean? So uh, so I think from that standpoint, man, it's, a, uh, uh, it's an incredible life. Wouldn't give it up for anything. And... Uh, Trials and tribulations may be what they are, but um, we know at the end we're going to be victorious. So that's that's the name of the game. Yeah, very well said. Yeah, and I love how you began your NFL uh, Hall of Fame speech there by saying you wake your kids up each morning saying, "This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad." And uh, what what was that experience like for you, Tim, to have your kid there for the Hall of Fame induction? Ah, uh, man, it was uh, it was amazing, you know, because. Um, you know, I know for them it was a life-altering moment. It was, you know, a big change for them. You know, all of a sudden, you know, Dad is, you know, I mean, after, you know, they didn't get to see most, most of my football career. You know, my oldest kids did. I mean, Tremont may have gotten a couple of years in. Uh, Kayla got, uh, you know, got the most of it. The younger kids didn't get anything for the most part. They were born, but, uh, you know, they were one year old, two years old when I retired. Um, so, you know, it, it, it was tough for them, you know, but, um, you know, my son said something to me, uh, when I, when they, when Dave Baker had came and knocked on the door and told me that I was going to be an NFL Hall of Fame, um, and I, I immediately called somebody back here in Dallas and, uh, and my son was just sitting there with me while I talked on the bed, talked on the phone, we were sitting on the bed and he heard me say, um, yeah, this probably should have happened a few years earlier. And, uh, and I laughed about it or whatever. And uh, he waited till I got off the phone, man. And when I got off the phone, he said to me, hey, Dad, he was 12 years old at the time. He said, hey, Dad, think about this. If this would have happened six years ago, if you'd been the first ballot Hall of Famer, his twin sister, he called him Marmar. He said, Marmar and I would not have understood it. But he said, now we do. We get it today. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I felt like such a heel, you know, because here I am, you know, this should have happened a couple of years ago, another this and that. And here's my 12-year-old son said, if this would have happened six years ago, we would have had no understanding of what was going on. But today we do. And uh, yeah. so, you know, I, I think, you know, that's how much it means to them. And obviously it makes it, it mean uh, as much to me or even more uh, knowing that they – they now have recognition of what exactly has happened uh, in, in our lives. So. Yeah, that's incredible, Tim. All right, last thing I'm going to hit you with here. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I love to ask all the dads that get on the podcast, 
What type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Oh, man, you know, enjoy. Uh, dive in 100%, change the diapers, you know, clean up the poop, you know, uh, clean up the spit up, do it all, man, because, uh, you know, when you're 53 and your kids are 16, you sit alone for that moment where you can, uh, you know, clean them up, put a bottle in their mouth and, and set, them, <laughs> set them in their bed <laughs> and not have to worry about them for a couple, three or four hours. Uh, one day that day will end, man, but just enjoy it, man. Um, you know, uh, fatherhood is a, is a special, special thing. And, uh, mothers are great. Mothers are awesome, you know, but, uh, you know, when fathers connect with their kids, man, it, it's really, really a special, special deal. And it gives kids so much more, so much confidence in themselves when, you know, when they hear certain things about fathers. And I don't know what it is, but, uh, I know it's a proof of fact. Uh, but, uh, again, I, I am no way trying to, you know, uh, downgrade moms because, uh, I know my mom was, was and is my inspiration to keep doing what I'm doing, uh, on a day to day basis. So, uh, so I, I think, man, but being a father is very special and, um, you know, but dive in 100%, do all you can possibly do, um, even though stuff you really don't want to do. Do that because those are the things you're going to remember about your kids, and uh, it just makes for uh, great, great memories, man, as you move on and move on in life. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Tim Brown, you're a first class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thank you guys. Appreciate you, man. Nothing beats an American flag made in the USA, right? Well, how about an American flag made in the USA by veterans out of duty-worn fatigues from all branches of the military? That is exactly what you get with combat flags. Combat flags are handcrafted from duty-worn fatigues and offer a tangible piece of freedom to the American people. Each flag is accompanied by a professionally designed and printed card that tells the story of service of a soldier, marine, airman, sailor, or coastie who wore the fatigues used to make the flag. They are the real deal, Dad, so what are you waiting for? Visit CombatFlags.com and use the promo code FATHER, and First Class Fatherhood listeners will save 10% off their purchase. Veteran-owned, American-made. CombatFlags.com, promo code FATHER. All right, joining me now is a first-class father. He is the former first-round draft pick of the San Francisco 49ers, a team in which he won four Super Bowls playing with. He is a 10-time Pro Bowler, an eight-time first-team All-Pro. He is on the NFL 75th anniversary team, the 1980s and the 90s All-Decade teams. His number 42 has been retired by the 49ers, and he is, of course, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It is a big honor for me to say, Ronnie Lott, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to uh, spending time with you. And, and when you think about first class, that's, that's, a, that's a tall achievement in life. And uh, um, knowing, knowing what dads and, 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 and mothers and, and all the parents that are out there, what we all try to go through to, 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 to be associated with that type of uh, honor is, 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 is amazing. It's really hard and very difficult. Yeah, well said. Let's start right here, Ronnie. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? Yeah, so I have uh, four kids. I have Ryan, who is 40. I have um, Haley, who is 27. I have 
Isaiah, who's 26, and I have Chloe, who is 24. She's 24. Wow, yeah, okay. Yeah, I have four myself. My mind go from uh, 5 to 13, so uh, I'm just getting myself ready here for them teenage years. Yeah, you know what's interesting is that um, when you think about what we all go through and we all think about it is there are so many moments where you think about yourself being a teenager, you think about yourself not only being a teenager, but then you think about some of the things that you did, and then you think about what the teenagers do today, and then you think about all the equipment, you think about all the relationships, and and before you know it, you realize that you're a rookie at a lot of things, and, and the reason that you're a rookie is that there are just so many things that you've never experienced, and and then what you're hoping is that you're able to, you know, get get you know a group of people that you can lean on that hopefully can provide you a perspective of trying to make sure that you're doing the best you can do. Yeah, it, it certainly takes a village to raise a child, as they say. Um, if you could, Ronnie, please just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a quick little bit about your background. Yeah, my background, um, I grew up as a military brat, uh, born in Albuquerque, New Mexico, left Albuquerque, New Mexico, went to Washington, D.C., stayed in D.C. till I was about 10, and then moved from there to Southern California, then attended the University of Southern California, um, went from there to um, um, to the San Francisco 49ers, played with the 49ers, ended up uh, having a great run, a lot of success there, um, went from there to playing professionally again with the Raiders, having, it, uh, having success there, and then playing with the Jets and having a great time and success there and and then retiring. And and from there, uh, been a, a an entrepreneur and, and been involved in a lot of different businesses. And more, and more importantly, I have a foundation that uh, I started in 1989 called All Stars Helping Kids. That's been phenomenal. And uh, we've been able to help a lot of different organizations throughout the Bay Area, and, and we've had a lot of success, and it's been a wonderful experience, and more importantly, we've been able to empower a lot of young people, and um, I know that a lot of people gave me opportunities and gave me a hand up, and uh, we've been able to do the same for a lot of different organizations and a lot of different young people. Yeah, so cool to hear that, Ronnie. And and about how old were you when you first became a dad, and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Yeah, I, I became a dad when I was 20, and I think the perspective of life changes from the standpoint that um, you realize that you have not only the responsibility, but you have to think about a lot of things, a lot of things that are outside the realm of, of of just focusing on yourself and 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 the question in life is you know which I always try to think about is you know how are you going to be the best at that how can you exhaust every moment how can you give all you can and um um that is really something that um that I always find and even today am I doing that with my kids am I finding ways to making sure that they are getting all the opportunities and, and, and trying to find a path 
that they can, you know, forge and a path that they can own. And, 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 and that's what kind of what my parents have done with me. They've constantly have been, you know, great supporters, but they've been, you know, great friends and, and they've been tough on me. They've, they've allowed me to fail. They've allowed me to understand that, you know, you, you, you can't always get it right. And, and so, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I look at my parents today. They're still alive. They're great people. They're uh, people that, you know, truly care about their community and care about a lot of things. And I just continue to try to model my life around how they act, how they still do certain things. And, and, um, and so I, I'm hopefully kind of allow them because of their examples that they've set that I can kind of model my life around some of the things that they that that they do and 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 things that they have done which has been really amazing and sometimes tough love is is um is is what it is it's really tough love and and they've been able to give me a lot of tough love yeah well said and it's cool to hear you say that about the relationship with your parents and I talk about it on my podcast a lot Ronnie is the fatherless crisis that we have in our country so many kids are growing up without a dad so i mean it was cool to see you know, things that are dedicated to dads. I know you just uh, recently spoke at the Dad 2.0 Summit. Uh, what was that experience like for you? That was an incredible experience. And, and the reason it was incredible is that, you know, it's the story that you don't know about. And and what I mean by that, there was a dad there that, you know, talked about his life and talked about some of the challenges and talked about some of the experiences that he went through and and, and, and how challenging it was. And, and I think what you learn about that is that, um, you know, how lucky we are that we still can have the ability to be a champion as a dad, even though things could be, you know, challenging for the ways that we were raised and, and the things that we went through. And I think that summit is a, a perfect way and a perfect understanding of, you know, knowing that we all have our flaws, but we all are trying to be better dads and and to build communities like that and to have relationships like that where you can hear from other dads is, is invaluable. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. And I think it's so cool that you do a podcast with your daughter, Haley, there called uh, Mind Games. What is it all about and what was the genesis of that show? Well, the genesis is that she really thought that there was a, a – a, an issue of, of of people not really understanding how to use their inner mindfulness and to use their ability to control their minds and 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 she saw and and she's heard from a lot of different people how difficult that is and 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 now having me involved, which I think has been really amazing, is that I've learned a lot. She's learned a lot. And then we've learned a lot from a lot of amazing athletes. You know, the, to to hear Steve Young talk about, you know, some of the issues that he was dealing with and some of the things that he struggled with, to hear Kerry Walsh talk about some of the challenges of being a mom and, and, and being an athlete. And what you find is that we all have, you know, our abilities to kind of push ourselves but we also have our abilities where we have, you know, where we can be vulnerable and, 
And it's great to hear all of it, and it's great to hear that um, there are ways that you can fix it. I think that that last piece is a really interesting piece, and the reason I think it's an interesting piece is that, um, you know, as as Charles Haley said, who played with, played with the Cowboys, played with me with the 49ers, he goes, you know, we can sit around and we can have an AA meeting and we can talk about it with, you know, a select group of people. Because, but if you have a mental problem or you have difficulties, who do you sit with? Who do you talk to? Where, where do you go? How do you have that community? And it, it, it really, you know, made me think that this is a great opportunity for us to, you know, share, to create, community, and more importantly, to allow people to know that it's okay. And, and and not only is it okay, but there are ways that we can all, you know, get better at taking care of ourselves and, and living a, a prosperous, you know, whole life that could be very full of love and happiness. And every once in a while, we're going to have our moments of sadness. And, and if we do, you know, it's not going to destroy us, but it's going to be something that we can experience and something that we'll understand. Yeah, I, I love that philosophy and the concept of the show. I'm going to include, a, you know, a link to your podcast in the description of this episode so my listeners can check it out. And I see that you just had uh, Tim Brown on there recently. I just did an interview with him as well. He was really well-spoken on fatherhood. And one of the things I asked, uh, you know, him and a lot of the NFLers that I have on the show here is just because it's a difficult decision for a lot of parents out there whether or not to let their kids play tackle football. So uh, what's your opinion on young kids playing tackle football, and what do you think is a good age to start? Yeah, it's funny. I've been I played football growing up. I was a, I played Pop Warner when I was 10 years old. I remember moving from Washington, D.C., and coming to California. And in and, and, and D.C., I, they, I didn't see kids that played with pads and, all of a sudden, here I am, and I'm like, wow, this is so amazing. It's so cool. And and yet, you know, with our kids, uh, my son, you know, said, what do you think? And I was like, well, you know, what do you think? And he was like, well, I, I like playing touch, and it's fine with me. And I said, okay. And, and you know, we, we both decided that, you know, there was going to be a point where he was going to be able to enter into uh, high school and, and be able to play the game. And so – he he didn't put pads on before then. He pl- played um, with his buddies, played with his friends, um, had a chance, you know, over the years to experience the game. Um, he loved it. And then, and then, like all of us, sometimes you're big enough, sometimes you're strong enough. And 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 so Isaiah didn't did not play professional football. On the other hand, Ryan, who when you when when he was younger and coming out of high school, I didn't think he would be the the the, the kind of man he is today in, in the size that he had, and and so you never know. And and he did grow and he got bigger and and became you know a linebacker of all things, and and ended up um, playing the National Football League. But the question is really around when do you start, and I think that that to me in today's game it's really centered around you know one the aspirations but two 
if you think that you're worried and you think that you should not allow that to happen, then be, you know, take the precautions and, and, and find yourself saying that, you know what, there's going to be a time when I feel like he's sturdy enough, strong enough to be able to play. But I would never trade the experience of being with young men. Um, the reason that Boy Scouts is so amazing is that you're around young men. Uh, you get a chance to understand the, the, the challenges, the difficulties. And I think that the game of football is about the relationships and the friendships. It's, it's not about what we see in terms of the competition. Uh, I've always felt that there's nothing better of being around great men and learning from them and understanding their issues and understanding the challenges and the problems. That's, you know, if, if, if you think about fatherhood, that's one of the great things that we did see with the Dove, you know, fatherhood program is that they had a bunch of men that were there sharing and being vulnerable and caring and talking and allowing all of us to become better at hopefully this gift of being able to take care of our kids. So, yeah, I, I think that kids should learn about the game of football, but I think they should learn about the game of life, of having great relationships and knowing that you can count on people to support you and, and help you. And, 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 and whether you win or lose, you lose together or you win together and you find ways to, you know, deal with those losses and you find ways to deal with those wins. Yeah, very well said. And you were one of, if not the hardest-hitting safety to ever play the game. And, uh, you know, you punished a lot of people on the field. But what type of punishment did you hand out as a dad? What type of disciplinarian were you as a father with the kids growing up? you, you got to remember, man, I'm, I'm a military brat, and um, I'm, I'm a, I was pretty tough. You know, they my, my wife and kids always said, there goes Sergeant Lot. <laughs> <laughs> and so... I had my moments of being, uh, you know, tough, but I, 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 I chose that because, you know, instinctively that's kind of the things that I live with. I've, I've lived with a lot of moments where you have to be on time. You have to do certain things. You have to have chores. You have to keep your locker clean. You have to be able to huddle and do the huddle the right way. And, and so all of those kind of disciplines, are disciplines that I try to share with my kids. And more important, I try to share the disciplines of what it's like to have great relationships and, and to have fun and, and to laugh and to love and to care. And, and also at the same time, know that it's, it, it, the, the guy next to you or the person or the girl next to you is going to find themselves, um, you know, sometimes disappointed on, on the fact that you didn't, you know, get your job done. So, they, they're great lessons, and, and sports provides that. And, and being a dad, um, like I was, I, I enjoyed the discipline of um, making sure my kids kind of saw the same things that I uh, experienced when I was growing up as a kid. Yeah, very cool. And, and I know you got four Super Bowl rings, uh, and I believe that you know Ryan would have been the only one to have uh, been able to see. Did he get a chance to see you uh, at the Super Bowl, uh, winning the Lombardi Trophy? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, that, as you know, the the great part of life is uh, when you have those moments and um, you're able to share them, you're able to experience it. And, and, um, you know, it's funny, I, I took my son Isaiah and I took him to the Patriots game when they were playing the Giants and it was the undefeated season and and we went to the game and we went on the field I was flipping a coin and it was so amazing watching him and looking at the guys and looking at the whole thing and 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 then you realize that you were once there and and so he had his moment of being able to you know see it and to be up close with it and um and 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 what we what we saw was the things that we see in life sometimes the, the the sadness and the joy and you know the sadness of losing and the joy of winning and and um he had a great time and i think that sports is meant to have those kind of moments where you not only get to share it with with each other but you also get to learn all these other little elements and uh, that's what makes you know the relationship of being with whether it's with your daughters or with your sons that makes it so special yeah and talk about sharing a special moment with your kids what was it like to have your family present with you there when you were inducted into the hall of fame unbelievable and the reason it's unbelievable is that you're amongst the people that you admire the most as you as i was growing up and those you know, amazing heroes and amazing leaders and amazing people um, inspired me. Uh, they challenged me. And, you know, the great Deacon Jones, he was there. And Deacon Jones, when I was a kid, Deacon Jones said, you be the best. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're a garbage man. I want you to be the best at it. And I remember sitting there listening to him. And I was, I think I was about 12, 13 years old at the time. And I realized that I'm going to try to do that, and I'm going to try to uh, be that. And it turned out that, uh, um, you know, somebody giving you that gift and somebody sharing that with you um, inspired me. And, and, and now here I, here I am standing, you know, next to him, and it made me realize that there are so many kids that you can, you know, you can amplify that message to and, Hopefully there are kids out there that, you know, will hear and learn that you can be the best and you can be the best at whatever you do. And and Deacon's point was it doesn't have to be uh, a football player. You could be the best garbage man. And, and I love it because we have a guy that's a great garbage man. He's unbelievable. And we wrote a letter talking about how great he is and, and, and how he inspires us. And, and 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 my point is that, you know, we all strive to be our best, and 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 it's a great quality. And 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 knowing what I know, you know, today that's what we're expressing. We're trying to express and encourage people to know that, you know, you can be a great dad, and you can you can blow it, and and yet still you have a, a chance of being a great dad. And, and as long as you are trying and, and, and communicating, you have a chance. Yeah, right on with that. And you have had just an incredibly uh, successful career on the football field, and you transitioned into having some success off the field. 
What's next for you, Ronnie? What kind of goals or plans do you have here for yourself for the future? You know, the the, the, the number one plan is just exhaust life, man. Exhaust every moment. I've lost some really amazing friends to uh, ALS, and you realize that when you lose people that uh, um, all they kept doing at the end, even though the, the, the disease was taking their life, they just kept playing. They kept giving everything. And, and to me, that's all I want to do. Uh, and, and so, one, is exhaust life and, and try to, you know, do as much as you can, as long as you can. And then the other thing is just, man, try to understand the idea around love and what that means and how you can touch, you know, a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, with All-Stars, we've been able to kind of find our way to empowering, you know, people to believe that, you know, your your organization can change the world. And so we, st- we help a lot of nonprofits um, that are startups and trying to get them to see that, you know, all it takes is an opportunity to help somebody and to serve somebody. And, and, and if we took away all our nonprofits right now, we couldn't exist. We couldn't function. Our, our society would have incredible challenges and problems. You think of, you know, people that go out and, and serve the seniors and get them medicines. And you, you can go down all the way to, to young people who are being picked up. And, and so we volunteer because we have to. And, and and I think that that part of service in life is, mm-hmm. is so valuable for all of us to learn and all of us to mm-hmm. uh, not only experience but to make sure that people are doing it and, 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 and doing it in the right way because it empowers our country when we see young people, you know, trying to change the world and, 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 and trying to help others change the world. And uh, usually it starts with people understanding how to give to another human being. Yeah, that's incredible, Ronnie. I'm glad we have people like you and your organization out here uh, doing it. Your voice is so needed right now in our society. And last thing I want to hit you with here, Ronnie, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new father or for that about-to-be dad who's out there listening? I think the, the new dad and, and that person who is, you know, first start with so much love, man. Realize that you got to empty that out every day. You got to, and and and, what, and the reason I say that is that whether it's good love or bad love, you're, it's all about that. And and what I mean by the bad love is that there will be moments where you're going to love and still feel bad because you had the discipline and and so, but start with the idea around love. You know, it, it, it's 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 fascinating to me that you know. It's it's something that we can never replace in society, and yet uh, anger and hatred and some of the things that we've seen recently is causing us to not trust, not to understand, not to follow through, not to do all these things that are so valuable to our society, and 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 that's what's made this country so great is that we we've allowed people to know that they can belong and they can they can they can find a, their path and that they can be a part of our society and 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 more importantly that they can be great dads 
no matter where you come from, no matter uh, what thoughts you have, and no matter what religions you are, you could be a great dad. And 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 so, to me, like being a great athlete, it comes with a lot of mistakes. It comes with a lot of ideas and thoughts of just trying to be your best. And um, for all the dads out there, um, and kudos to you. But stay there. Continue the path. And, 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 and yes, you're going to have your moments, but follow through and don't find yourself giving up. It, nobody, you know, we can't give up on our kids and we can't give up on our, uh, on our relationships. It's, it's, um, yeah, you just can't. You can't, and, and I know that we have moments where we believe it, and I know we have moments that it does happen, and yet um, try to make sure that you're exhausting all all those moments, even when it doesn't feel like you can. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. i got to say, Ronnie Lott, you are a first-class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on first-class fatherhood. Thank you very much. This is awesome, man. And thank you for the uh, opportunity to spend time with you and, and, and share my thoughts. Dads, are you tired of taking supplements that never deliver? Well, Redcon One was created to ensure that you get real hardcore products that deliver real results. Trusted by four-time world strongest man, Brian Shaw, and founded by supplement entrepreneur, Aaron Singerman, Redcon One is crushing the industry. You have to try their MRE bars, which are packed full of nutritious food sources that will replenish your system when you need it most. And they taste so good, your toddler will think they're eating a candy bar. But we're talking whole food meal replacement. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save 20% on their entire order from Redcon One. Simply use the promo code FATHER at the checkout. So let's go, dads. For the highest state of readiness, choose Redcon One. Visit Redcon1.com, use the promo code FATHER, and save 20%. All right, joining me now is a first-class father. He is a quarterback who played his college football over at the University of Southern California, where his number three was retired, and he took home the Heisman Trophy. He went on to be the number one pick of the 2003 NFL Draft and had what was just an incredible career in which he threw for over 46,000 yards and almost 300 touchdowns. It is so cool for me to say, Carson Palmer, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. All right, let's start here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I've got four. I've got uh, twins that are 10. I've got a eight-year-old little girl and a three-year-old little boy. Wow, okay, that's awesome. What type of uh, sports or activities are they into? Uh, just about every activity. I mean, right now we're, um, we're getting ready for ski season. My daughter is on the ski racing team. Um, as well as my son, the, the two twins are going to do ski racing. I've got a daughter that I just got back from a big ice skating competition in McCall, Idaho, that um, she did really well at. And then I've got a little three-year-old. My little boy is, is uh, I think he might be the, the athlete of the family because uh, he's into just about every single sport that you could possibly put in front of him right now. Okay, very cool. All right, Carson, if you could, just take a minute here, please, to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Well, I retired from the NFL uh, two seasons ago, so this is my second second year in retirement from playing football. 
I played for played in the NFL for 15 years. I played uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals for nine years. I played for the Oakland Raiders for a year and a half, and then finished my my career with five years playing for the Arizona Cardinals in the desert. Yeah, obviously you've had a, a tremendous career, Heisman Trophy winner, and all that in college. Uh, how did the experience of become? How old were you when you first became a father, Carson? And how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Yeah, so my wife and I got married. We've been married now for, um, geez, seventeen, going on seventeen years. Uh, and we we always knew we were, we wanted to be parents and and um, had kind of planned on on being parents. And, and obviously, we were blessed with with four beautiful children. Um, but we wanted to spend our first the first phase of our marriage without kids. And so we kind of had a five-year plan after after we got married and wanted to spend the first five years really focused on each other and, and our relationship with each other without the distraction that, that kids can be, a, a great distraction. But, um, you know, our, our first five years we traveled, um, you know, we, we worked on our marriage and, and kind of, I, I guess it was research, trying to figure out what kind of parents we wanted to be and, and just being around kids and being around other parents and um, picked up a lot. Uh, from from my older brother, my older sister, who have older children than we do, um, and just friends and and friends of friends that that we ended up hanging out with and being around, and um, really kind of picked up and learned a lot in those first five years. And um, I think it was one of the best things we could have done for for our own relationship and our marriage, but um, more just to kind of see um, what kind of parents we wanted to be and what kind of kids we wanted to raise. Yeah, that's very cool, Carson. And what were some of the challenges eventually of becoming a, a dad while playing in the NFL? Well, from from the jump, having twins uh, proposes a really, really big <laughs> challenge. Um, but the great thing about having twins first is you have you have one kid after that, uh, and it just seems like a breeze. It just seems easy. Uh, but I think the you know the first challenge was was you know being there for your wife. Um, you know, especially in the first two years of, of uh, having twins and just everything that comes with it and, and the challenges that come with having two babies at once, um, but also focusing on, on football and focusing on all the things I had to do, obviously during the season, but but more importantly during the off season when you're training or rehabbing from injuries or um, all the different things that come up, uh, really just, just, you know, trying to be there for my wife and be supportive and, and as, as every um, every parent of a young child knows those first couple of years are just crazy and, and it's really trying and testing on a relationship uh, a lot of sleepless nights um, you know just the frustration that, that having babies can can bring um, and being supportive and being there for my wife and obviously being there for the kids too um, so I, I think those first couple of years being thrown in the fire like that with twins and and you know the the blur that those first couple of years of having twins can be. Um, you know, it, it was a huge challenge and something that's really shaped myself and my wife. And, and um, it it really gave me a, a great appreciation for her and, and seeing her deal with, you know, the feedings, you know, at two a.m. and then again at six a.m. and and all those things that come with that. I really, I really, uh, I thought I loved my wife as much as I possibly could, but after seeing her go through that and, and going through that with her. Uh, our, our love for each other just grew from that. Yeah, very well said. Yeah, and I have four children myself like you. We, we went from uh, 
uh, our most challenging was going from two to three just because our older ones weren't able, capable yet of taking care of themselves in certain capacities. So it really made that first year of having three uh, very challenging for us. But, I mean, you went from uh, a two-in-one shot to adding the third, so uh, it's a different dynamic. And um, what, what was the transition like for you, Carson, then from finally, you know, playing in Cincinnati for such a long time and then moving with the family to Oakland and then eventually Arizona? How was that on the family? It was great. You know, it's obviously difficult at the time when, when you get traded. It happens really fast. And you got to, you know, pack up and move out and find school for kids and, and you know, get, get accustomed to, you know, a new city and, and, and all that comes with that. Um, but it was it – was, um, it was really cool. You know, it was cool to see different parts of the country and, and as an NFL player to be in, you know, a part of different fan bases and play for different organizations. And um, my my oldest, my twins are now in fifth grade and they've been to six schools, you know, in, in you know, in such a short time from, from pre-K and kindergarten and from Oakland and Ohio and Northern California, Southern California, and just we've bounced around so much, um, it was hard and it was a challenge and, and there were all those times where you, you know, your kids are crying. We don't want to move again. We don't want to leave our friends. We don't, you know, we don't want to do this. Um, but I really think it was a great thing for them to, to experience having to say goodbye to friends, you know, meet new friends, new teachers. Um, you know, it, it was really a blessing. I, when I look back and think about, you know, the challenges of, of being a young kid and I did it myself as a youngster is, is having to move a lot at a young age and, new schools, new friends, new teachers, all those things. Um, so I, I really think it was a blessing because it forced them to come out of their comfort zone and it forced them to kind of come out of their shell and, and have to make new friends and go through times without, you know, kids to eat with at lunch or play with at recess and, and you know, putting themselves out there. And, and um, I really think it was a great thing for them because it's made my kids, for the most part, really outgoing children. And I don't know that they would have been as as outgoing as they are had we stayed in the same school for, for five or six years. Yeah, that's an awesome philosophy on that, Carson. And, and how about as far as I know I see on Instagram there, you post a lot of the stuff with the kids outdoors, fishing. I mean, I'm more of a, a city guy myself, and I'm definitely trying to get into more active with my kids and them outdoor activities. Were you always into the outdoors, like the fishing and stuff like that, or did that come later in your life and after your career? You know, I didn't grow up doing a ton of, of hunting and fishing. It wasn't until I moved to Ohio and, and was really immersed in one of the best places to hunt and fish on the planet, in my opinion. Um, and I fell in love with it and, and absolutely love being on the river or in the woods or in a tree stand. Uh, and I love it even more. My my son is, has been on, I don't know, eight, ten hunting trips with me. My, my daughter's been on four or five. All of my kids fish, even my three-year-old. We we all fly fish together, and that's you want to talk about you want to talk about you know helping yourself and and trying to trying to work on your patience. Taking a taking a five-year-old and an eight-year-old fly fishing will test your patience. So that that that's been awesome. Um, but it's just I you know I I think there's something special about you know going into the woods with with my son at six in the morning and you know, going through the process and, and working on your patience and, and, you know, sitting still and, and all the things that come up and then harvesting a deer and, and uh, you know, and, and taking that deer back to camp and, and, and eating it that night and packaging it up and making sausage and, and making hamburger patties and, um, you know, going out and hunting and, and eating what you kill uh, has been a really cool lesson. And, and now my three-year-old that's you know, he's been on some trips and, 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 you know, stayed back at the hunting camp while we were in the woods. But 
you know, I, I just think it's a really cool thing to, to share with your kids, and, and it's been awesome. I mean, my, my son, that's all he talks about. He just wants to be in the backyard shooting his bow when he's not doing sports and talks about hunting. We talk about our upcoming, uh, upcoming trips and all the things we're going to do and the things we might see. And uh, just being outside in nature with your kids is something that has been really, really special for me to share with them. Yeah, and I think the most appealing thing about that, Carson, is the fact that there's no technology involved in it, and that's become such a battle with so many parents, myself included, with competing with the technology. Is that something that's uh, an issue in your house? How do you kind of monitor or handle the technology and stuff like that with your kids? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the main re- reason we moved to Idaho. We're, we're right in the middle of the state of the, in Idaho and in the middle of nowhere. And Kids don't have cell phones out here. Kids don't have iPads. You know, my, my kids come home from school and, and we do what we call training where we, you know, we do some working out kind of stuff without lifting weights, but working on balance and, and proprioception and, and body weight kind of lifting um, things. But my kids come home and, and, and we're outside. You know, right now we, we had a recent snowstorm, so we'll be out, they'll be outside sledding and snowball fighting and all that kind of stuff and, and not inside playing video games. We We don't play video games. We don't. Um, we don't use iPads unless we're on a long road trip or an airplane flight somewhere. Um, so it's been really easy for me to and my wife to help minimize that because um, my kids really grew up when I was playing um, in big cities like Phoenix and, and Oakland. and um, They grew up around that, and now that we don't have that, um, I've just seen them flourish and blossom and be creative and find things to do on their own and um, as opposed to sitting in front of a TV playing video games. And that's one of the great things you're right about hunting is um, you're in the tree stand, you know, you're in the woods, you can't move around a lot or else the animals will see you and they won't come around. Um, so there, there are no cell phones. There's no, we don't have, you know, we're not watching TV and watching DVDs or movies or Netflix, any of that. That's been one of the best things about since, since I've, I've retired from playing football moving to, to really the middle of nowhere in the mountains. Um, we've completely eliminated really technology other than what they're using at school and learning at school. When they get home, we're, we're outside playing and training and, and doing all the things that are, you know, we're doing everything but technology. Yeah, that's awesome. And talking about your career there, you were recently put into the Cardinals ring of honor. What was it like for you to experience that with your family being present? It was amazing. It, it was an amazing opportunity. Um, you know, my kid, don't know much about football there my my oldest son's into it a little bit and he'll watch it on you know watch we'll watch Monday night football tonight and um you know he'll 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 be intrigued by it for a quarter or two and then he'll figure out something else to do um and they don't they, they were there when I was playing but they were really young especially my my two oldest they're 10 now they remember some of the games but they love going to the games and seeing the mascots and the cheerleaders and things like that um so when when uh, a couple weekends ago when I was put into the Ring of Honor in Arizona, they were down there on the field with me. Um, you know they they got to, they got to be a part of it and they got to experience um, they got to experience something that you know they'll never forget. And, and I hope they always remember that moment of being down there on the field and the speech I gave and, and you know all the nice things that were said about me by our owner Michael Bidwell and just um, it was really a cool family uh, opportunity to share and. and they may not remember the games. They might, may not remember, you know, wins and losses or touchdown passes and all that. But um, I, I think that opportunity was something that's, that's that they'll hold in their hearts and hopefully remember their entire lives. 
Yeah, very cool. And what was it like for you to, to be able to spend some time on the same team? I had your brother Jordan on the podcast uh, quite a while back there. What was it like for you to have, be on the same team with your brother Jordan? It was great. It was great. You know, it was only a couple of years. Um, and we were always four and a half years apart growing up, so we were never in high school at the same time, never in college at the same time. But to play on the same NFL team together for a couple of years, um, just rare. You know, I, I don't. Off the top of my head, I can't think of too many guys other than the McCordy brothers in New England that have had that opportunity to, to be teammates. But um, it was a really, really cool opportunity for both of us. I mean, just to get to work together on a daily basis and train together and study film together. And um, it was something that um, that was really special and very unique because there are a handful of guys like the Manning brothers and there's a handful of guys that, that play against each other and, and um, are in the NFL that overlap a couple years together, but uh, to get to play in the same team is something that was really unique and special. Yeah, I thought that was awesome too. And, and how about as far as um, being a disciplinarian, Carson, what type of disciplinarian are you as a father? Are you a spanker, timeout guy? How do you handle discipline in your house? A little bit of both. Um, you know, we've kind of grown out of, uh, with my oldest, the the spanking, the, the, uh, the timeout deals really don't work. Now it's more about taking – with my oldest son, I'll, I'll take away his bow. He doesn't get to shoot his bow. Or um, I've, I've had to tell him he doesn't, he doesn't get to go on an upcoming um, hunting trip with me. So, you know, each kid, uh, what I've noticed is um, they all react differently to different punishments. My daughter loves her RC car, and if I take her RC car away, it's like the worst thing in the world that could ever happen to her. So, um, you know, it, it, I, I think you just kind of have to custom and fine-tune them to each individual child because they're all so different. Um, my little three-year-old, you know, we or he's almost four now. Um, I just have to threaten him with the wooden spoon, the little the little cooking spoon that that you know I might spank you with this if you don't you know do this or do that or you do that again. You don't even have to use it on him. You just have to threaten, you know, the object of the spoon um, and the potential that this might whoop me on the butt and, and hurt my little bottom. You know, th- those kind of things. Um, you know, you just got to find what what works and. and um, how to discipline um, my kids? You know, I, I have to do it differently. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't threaten my two girls with the wooden spoon because that would just be the end of their, their, you know, their day. It would just ruin, you know, the thought of dad might spank me with the spoon. Um, so I've got to take different things away and and um, really just kind of fine tune discipline to each kid. You know, it's it's um, like I said, each kid is so different. And, and as badly as they want to be like the older ones and be like their brother or sister, um, they're all so different. So you got to find what makes each kid tick and what scares each kid from doing something wrong or doing the, you know, doing something that gets them in trouble. And, and that's what I found to work with my kids. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with you, Carson. My four kids couldn't respond more differently to discipline. Why have one kid you could spank them all day long? It ain't going to make a difference on them, you know. So it's like trying right. to find that. That that um you know that new uh, way to to discipline them is part of the challenge that I enjoy as being a dad. And how about I know you had you know some some pretty bad injuries during your football career. Have you been holding up? Are any of the injuries uh, make it difficult for you to keep up as a father with the kids? Oh sure, yeah. I mean I, I've uh, I've had multiple knee replacements or not replacements, but knee reconstructive surgeries, um, elbow, thumbs. I've, had, I've got plates and forearms from breaks. I, yeah, I've had um, – there's been a lot that slowed me down. Um, 
you know, I, my, my, one of my, my kids wants to, to be a pitcher, and actually two of my kids want to be a pitcher. So getting down in a catcher stance is not easy. Um, my kids love skiing, like I said earlier, so skiing's not easy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a lot, of, uh, a lot of issues just wanting to go out and chase them around and, and just aches and pains. And something that I've been using that's helped me tremendously is, is CBD, um, you know, just a, a rub-on lotion. I've got an, an applicator that's like a roll-on for my knee that really soothes my knee. It's called um, Level Select. You can buy it online at selectmylevel.com. It's just a, a, a CBD cream or ointment that really helps me, especially when I get up in the morning after. I, I feel a lot of my injuries the next morning from the previous day, whether it's getting down in a catcher stance over and over again and catching 50 pitches from, from my kids or um, skiing with them or just chasing them. They, they love playing tag and things like that. And I feel a lot of a lot of my issues the next day when I wake up. So it's just uh, I found that the CBD ointment and, and lotion that, that you just rub on really soothes and 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 helps calm down any aches and pains that I have that that can get me going for that next day. But um, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, there's there's some collateral damage after playing for 15 years and playing on AstroTurf and practicing on AstroTurf and all those things. Um, it's it's definitely slowed me down and and something that um, you know I I've really got to work on and take good care of myself now so that when my my almost four year old's ten and twelve and wants to pitch that I can still go out and, and catch you know get down in the catcher stance and catch his pitches. Yeah, very well said. What you know you've had an amazing career. What kind of plans or goals do you have here for yourself for the future, Carson? Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, you know, I, everybody asks how retirement is and and. You know, I retired from football, but I haven't retired from um, from working. I've, I've got a handful of things I'm doing. Um, I've always been really interested in the development developmental side of, of commercial and, and residential real estate. So the last couple of years, I've been taking a lot of classes and reading books and, and um, started a couple really small projects to kind of to kind of get my feet wet and see if it's something that that I like and something that challenges me or see if it's something that, that I don't want to do. Uh, but I've really loved doing that, and, and I'd love to um, really broaden those horizons and get into some bigger projects and some bigger deals. But right now, really just trying to be smart and not overcommit myself to too much where I, it takes away time from, from, you know, I don't want to miss practices and, and kids' games anymore like I did for so many years when I was playing. Um, so really just trying to find enough things that, that keep me busy but but still um, – leave enough holes in my schedule where I'm not missing out on, on kids activities and, and after school stuff. Um, but also at the same time being challenged and, and finding things that I enjoy doing and, and that challenge me and make me want to um, get better at and improve at and learn more. And um, really that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Last thing I want to hit you with here, Carson, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new father or for that about to be dad who's out there listening? Well, I just think those those first couple of years of, of being a dad are so challenging. They're, 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 they were for me. You know, if if you're a guy that needs eight hours of sleep like I am, those first couple of years can be so difficult and so stressful um, from a financial standpoint. From you know just you know the issues that come up with you and your wife trying to you know trying to nurture this kid and raise you know this new child and and be be a good parent and you know be a positive influence on this kid. You know all the things that come up it just gets so much better. And, and those first couple of years can be, they're amazing. There's no doubt, as we all know, but there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of things that are difficult. There's a lot of times you're just tired and done and 
you just want to get the kids to bed and go to bed. Um, but it's just, it just gets better and better each, each year, each month, um, you know, from feeding baby bottles to the, you know, the first time your, your child can pick up a spoon and feed himself and then, you know, put on his underwear and, and get dressed for the day and, and walking and running. I and mean, it just gets so much better. Um, and, and, you know, my life, my, my, you know, my opportunity to be a dad is only getting better with my, my, my 10 year olds are going to be 12 and then 14 and 16. And, you know, just all the hurdles and milestones that you cross, um, and all the struggles you have early with, with having a baby and diapers and just all the stuff that comes up, they all make it so much better. Um, and they all enrich the, the opportunity of being a fatherhood so greatly as, as your kids get older and older. And then, you know, you start realizing, wow, they think you're really cool and they want to be like you and they want to do what you do. And then, you know, they want to hear your old football stories and stories from growing up and, you know, all, all the things that come up. Um, the excitement of being a parent is unlike anything else. And it's so challenging early on and it's so hard, but it's so well worth it. Uh, and so enriching as, as, as you get older and your kids get older and, um, you know, you just, you got to power through those first, especially if you have twins off the jump. I mean, that, that's, that's testing and, and trying, but, um, it, it just gets so much better and it's so worth it. And it's so exciting to see them start to play sports and, you know, all the things that come up and do, doing well in school and going to your parent-teacher conferences and hearing, you know, positive things from your kids and the things that they need to work on and then the challenge of, of um, working on those things that, that, you know, the teachers may recommend and just all the little things that come with it. It's, it's so great, and you just got to power through those first couple of years and try to remember them as long as you can. They're hard to remember because they fly by and you're sleep-deprived and you're tired and all those things that come up, but... It just gets better and better each year. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's just been an honor for me. i got to say, Carson Palmer, you're a first-class father, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Thanks for having me on, Alec. I appreciate it, man. Have a great day. All right, joining me now is a first-class father. He is a two-time Super Bowl champion. He was the MVP of Super Bowl 32, and in 1998, he was the NFL's most valuable player. He was selected to the NFL's 1990s All-Decade team. He is in the Denver Broncos Ring of Fame. And, of course, he is enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It is so cool for me to say, Terrell Davis, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, I appreciate that. I, I've been never never called that before, so it's, uh, it's an honor to be called a First Class Father. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, let's start right here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have uh, three kids. I have an eight-year-old son, a six-year-old son, and a uh, four-year-old daughter. Uh, my oldest is eight. His name is Jackson. My middle kid, his name is Miles, and my daughter's name is Dylan. Okay, very cool. Yeah, I have three boys myself. Then we got the girl on the fourth try. If we didn't get her on four, we'd have five by now over here. Yeah, we would have stopped by then. I think um, we were rolling the dice on number three, and, you know, there could have been another boy. And I told my wife, I said, are you sure you want another child? Because you've got to be prepared for it to be either uh, you know, another boy. And if it's another boy, that means that that's it. You know, we're not, we're not going for that girl. So thank God uh, when we had our gender reveal party, it, uh, the little balloons and the confetti came out was pink, and we were, we were ecstatic about that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, what, what type of sports or activities you got them into? Yeah, so my, uh, they play everything. My oldest son uh jackson plays uh he's, he's into track is a football play soccer basketball uh they played baseball but you know for their age they're they weren't as interested in baseball 
Um, then my middle son plays the same same sports. He's basketball, track, football, uh, and soccer. My daughter is her first year the first year playing track. Uh, not playing track, um, playing soccer. And uh, so next year she'll be running track and doing all the other sports. So we try to keep them as busy as possible, put them in all the sports, and and see which one sticks. Yeah, I hear that. Do you, do you get involved with coaching at all, or do you like to enjoy all the sports from the sideline? You know, I, I had to. You know, I, I try to watch it from the sideline, but you know, we've had some some interesting things that happen with our coaching. So I've had to step in a few times to to be the coach. And just like this season, my uh, my middle son, his coach was a younger coach, and you know, he wasn't as experienced. So um, we kind of saw what was happening, and so I kind of inserted myself in there to to help out a little bit more. Uh, to give these kids a foundation so they know what's going on. So, yeah, at that time, I'll, I'll get in, you know, when I, when I feel like there's a need for it. But uh, I try not to, to have my kids hear my voice at home and on the field. And uh, <laughs> I want them to have a, a coach outside of me. But if there's something that I think they should work on, we'll certainly work on it, and I'll give them some tips. But, yeah, I try to I try to stay stay as way, uh, far away from that as possible. But, yeah, you know, a part of me, uh, when I'm watching it, I, I say, man, i got to get out there and, and kind of help not only my kids but the other kids who, um, you know, have a chance to learn something. So, I, you know, I, I try to look at it two ways. But um, most importantly, I just hope these kids have fun and try to give them some tools to move forward. Yeah, right on with that. Well said. And if you could, Terrell, just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, uh, my background is, I'm, you know, I'm from San Diego, born and raised in San Diego. Um, you know, went to, went to high school there and went to, went to college at uh, Long Beach State. And then Long Beach State kind of uh, folded on me and I went to Georgia. I ended up getting drafted out of Georgia, uh, playing football in the sixth round by the Broncos. Was in Denver for uh, seven years. I played with the Broncos. I was fortunate enough that I won two championships. Um, and one of, one of seven backs to rush for 2,000 yards. Um, you know, had uh, a couple of Pro Bowls. I had a really successful career there in Denver, um, you know, playing under Mike Shanahan from 1995 to 2001. And then after that, I retired. Um, another blessing came in 2017 when I was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which was pretty cool, getting a little jacket, a ring, and a bust. That's in Canton. Uh, but since that time I've retired, I've been doing work for the NFL Network. I've stayed around football. I enjoyed it. I try to stay active, and uh, not only physically but mentally in a lot of business endeavors. Uh, a company I'm working on now called Defy, uh, which is a CBD. It's a hemp extract company. Um, that we have a drink, we have some tinctures and creams that uh, we're launching uh, to help with pain management and uh, swelling, inflammation, stuff like that. Uh, that's really been fun to be around. Also, also have a money management company in Denver called uh, Alpha One Tax and Wealth. And so those two things keep me busy along with my family. And I just, uh, you know, I play golf. I like, I love the game of golf. I don't play as much as I used to play, but I still love golf. <laughs> you know, I, I just can't get enough of it. I just can't get enough time to get out there. But uh, you know, hopefully I'll be able to work hard, uh, you know, work hard now and then be able to play a lot more later. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing. Yeah, you've had an incredible career and some, some awesome experiences for sure, Terrell. And what, how did, how, about how old were you when you first became a dad and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? I started late. So I'm 46 now. I'll be 47. Ooh, this month. I'll be 47 coming up in October the 28th. But, yeah, you know, here's here's what I, I realized before I had kids. I left football, and I thought that everything I did in football was the pinnacle of my life. You know, playing in the National Football League, 
winning two Super Bowls, like I mentioned, and then having that euphoric, you know, euphoria of of uh, just being on the top of the world and at your position, and being one of the best in the business. I thought that was I thought that was it. But I, but after you know football had um, had ended, there was a period where I realized that wow, I still have a void in my life. You know, I didn't have a family. I wasn't married, and so um, you know, I knew there was something missing there. End up getting married, and then you know that was that was pretty cool. That was awesome. But then when I had kids, it just gave me a whole new meaning and purpose in life. And ever since I've had my kids, that's been my purpose. My purpose has been to be the best father I could be to them. You know, and they they've been number one in everything that I've done. And so now it's like, wow, now life has has a different meaning. There's a purpose in life that I thought I had lost after I well, finished playing football. So, yeah, so when I got my kids, uh, my first child I had when I was I'm 46, what I was like, I was 38 at the time. Um, yeah, so I was pretty late. I waited, uh, you know, pretty late in life. And so, uh, but, yeah, that's that's it. Everything I do in my life, I, it, it revolves around my kids. I travel quite a bit, um, you know, which which is hard, but I try to make sure that they're important events that I make it to. You know, Georgia played Notre Dame the other day, and I was in Georgia, in Athens, and I was like, man, I, I want to go to the game so bad. But my kids had a football game the next day on Sunday, and Georgia's game was Saturday night. At, you know, they didn't end to midnight on the East Coast, and I live in L.A. So I was like, I mean, it really wasn't a hard decision. I'm like, I can go to the game and then miss my kids' game, but that really wasn't an option. So uh, I went to the pre, pre-game stuff before in Athens and um, was able to get on a flight and make it back home, watch the – the second half of the game, but more importantly, I was able to be back here for my kids. So my kids are they're everything to me. I try to make sure my schedule, as busy as it is, I try to make sure that I get to their, to their games and their functions as much as I can. Yeah, that's good stuff, Terrell. And what about as far as discipline? What type of disciplinarian are you as a father? Is it similar to the style that you grew up with with your own dad? My dad was uh, my dad wrote the book on dis- on discipline, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, he was pretty heavy with it. But what I did was um, there was a lot that I learned growing up that I loved, you know, um, that I kind of used a little bit. I mean, obviously, the, the you know, we can't be as physical with kids anymore. Uh, we used to get spankings and whoopings and stuff like that. Can't do that anymore. But still, I was able to take some of the firmness that my dad used. I, I grew up, I have uh, five brothers. So it was six boys growing up. And my dad, you know, he had to kind of have that, that stern um, authority. And that's what he did, and so I, so I use a little bit of stuff from my mom, which is more of the nurturing, and I'll use a little bit from my dad. But I'm I'm really big, and I'm I'm very very big, and I'm strict on on just listening, right? I'm just like uh, just listening, paying attention, and just doing as I say, kind of kind of stuff. And then, you know, it doesn't matter because to me, that's the difference between life and death. For example, if I say stop and you keep walking, well, what if we're at the train station and I ask you to stop and you just keep walking hit by a train? So it, it might, that might sound severe, but that's the way I think. I think, well, if you don't listen in small moments, then you can't, you're not going to listen when it's important. But all that, too, is really from sports. It's all just kind of training discipline in sport that I kind of use as well to, to kind of father my kids. But I'm fair, you know. I'm I'm balanced. I'm fair. I'm not just all hammer. I'm all I'm love. I tell my kids every night before they go to bed, even not even before they go to bed. My kids know. If you ask them, you say your dad always asks you this question because I look at my kids and I say, "What do you think I'm going to say to you?" And they'll say, "You love me," and I'm like, "That's right." 
you know. So I want them to know that that I love them, and I tell them that every single day, you know, no matter what, I love you. Even when you, you know, it appears that I'm being hard on you, I love you. So don't think that because I'm I'm being hard on you that I don't love you and that, you know, you know that I don't like you. No, I do, but that's just the way it is. And so I think my my wife and I, I think we struck a pretty good balance with them. Um, to kind of have them well-rounded so they understand structure, they understand discipline, they understand timing, expectations, all that stuff. As we try to work with them on, on all those uh, different things. Yeah, very well said. I love that philosophy, Terrell. And how about one of the struggles for a lot of us parents out here is all the technology. We're all competing with all the video games and screen time. Uh, is your 8-year-old, is he into playing the Madden, the Fortnite? How do you kind of handle oh. the technology with him? Of course they are. You know, they're like every other kid. They they love the uh you know, the games, the Fortnites and uh they're playing Minecraft a lot. Um I don't know why, but they love the Minecraft and they uh they definitely love Fortnite. So we try to balance it like this. We no, we we never it's not that we, we consider it bad. We just limit it their their playtime. So during the school week, uh Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday really, it's no no video games. Uh, very limited with the with the tablets and iPads and stuff like that. Uh, but during the weekend, we give them some time to play. Not all weekend, but we give them more time to play with their tablets and their iPads because we recognize that, you know, listen, some of this, a lot of stuff is really good for them. You know, for them to, you know, there's a lot of uh, very educational programs on there, eye hand coordination, just you know, all this stuff. It helps uh, as long as we don't they're not sitting on the iPad and the uh, tablets all day. Um, but my kids, we're pretty blessed because they like outdoors. They love to go outside and throw the football around, you know, go play soccer, go outside, go swimming. So they're 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 again, we try to strike a balance with them with everything they do. It's not just one sided, and we don't have, we don't believe in uh, taking things away from them so they don't experience it. It's like yeah, experience the video games. We don't mind you doing it. But, you know, have the tablet, but just be mind mindful that you're not going to play with the tablet, you know, for four hours. You know, you have an hour here. We put we put a timer on their uh, tablet during the weekends, and uh, let them play with it. And uh, sometimes I get them and play a little Madden with my kids in the, in the house. And they still be, I don't know how they how they're doing it, but they're still beating me. And they're they're eight and six years old. I don't I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, we use the video games as a form of currency around here. We can pretty much get them to do anything yeah. around the house if we dangle that carrot in front of them. That's a good. That's a good thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, and, and one other thing I just wanted to ask you, too, just because you said your oldest is playing football. That's another decision that's very difficult for a lot of parents out here, and I love to ask the NFL guys when I have them on here. How, how do you feel about young kids playing contact football, and what's a good age for them to start? I'm, You know what? I'm, I'm, I am the ambassador for it, and if you had asked me this question, let's say, 10 years ago, I may have said that I wasn't uh, uh, totally 100% in, and that's because – what we have now is we have better understanding of concussions, more so than when I played, obviously. Um, and what I mean by that is when I played a concussion, it literally meant that you had to be knocked out. And then they would say, all right, you can, you're concussed. But if you had you know, spots and you had things where you were kind of a little bit of dizzy, you know, you still were, they would give you the salt and you would go back in. That's one reason that I think we've identified concussions more. I mean, the second thing is that technology has gotten a lot better with helmets. Helmets, um, you know, they've they've got these uh, helmets that are that are now certified to pass certain testing, and the NFL now has their their updated version. A lot of helmets can't even be worn now if they don't meet these standards. 
I think the third thing is that we teach techniques a lot differently than when I was growing up. It was taught with a helmet. Um, everything was like, you know, see what you hit, use your head to be involved in tackling. They've taken that out of football now. And even from the youth level, they're now teaching the heads-up program, which I love. I think the fourth thing is that we don't hit a lot more anymore. I mean, they just don't, they just don't hit anymore in practice. You know, when I used to play, we used to have drills that were – they weren't really football drills. They were just toughness drills. And so you, you have all those thousands of repetitions uh, with toughness drills and practice uh, from the time you're a little kid till the time you're a, a professional. That's a lot of banging for, for a player to go through in, in, in your lifetime. So they've reduced all of that. It's no longer um, that kind of uh, hitting. So with all those different steps and, and measures, uh, the NFL is safer. My kids, they don't play tackle now, uh, not because I don't want them to, because I've asked them, I say, do you want to play? My oldest kid, Jackson, says uh, last year he didn't want to play, but he wants to play this uh, upcoming year. Not this year, but I guess next year when they play uh, tackle. He wants to play tackle, and I'm going to let him play. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, talking about hard hitting and, and all that stuff. I just did an interview with Ronnie Lott and talking about toughness. He cut his finger off there at halftime one time just to finish playing the game. So uh, it's definitely different the way it is today. Yes, indeed. I don't know about that one. I know he wanted to play in that game, but wow. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Uh, well, you've had an amazing career here. You're having some success off the field as well. What are your goals or plans for the future here? You know, I think my number one goal was always, for me, is just to be the best dad that I can be. You know, I have uh, been blessed to have three beautiful, um, healthy kids. And so um, I know that I have the, uh, you know, the I guess, like you say, it's not even a, it's not a burden. It's not even a responsibility. Um, but that's, like I said, my love for my life, you know, are my children. And, you know, be the best dad that I can be and, and hopefully put them uh, in a right situation, put them in a position to be successful and just kind of you know, make sure that I, I'm the best dad that I can be with them. Uh, on the business side, you know, I don't, I don't know with that. I just, you know, the things that I'm involved in, hopefully they work out, and we're putting a lot of time and effort into those things. But, um, you know, the ideal world would be to be able to have my kids grow up and then to be able to hand them off uh, some business that I've already started so that they can kind of grow it even further and, and kind of, uh, you know, live this the, the legacy of, of uh, what we've already started for them. Yeah, that's an awesome vision. All right, last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Terrell, I love to ask all the dads that get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new father or for that about-to-be dad who's out there listening? I would say get all the sleep you, that you can get, man. Get all the rest <laughs> that you can get. It is a, uh, it's a beautiful time, uh, but there's just so many hidden things that I didn't even know. Uh, and you don't realize when you have a child, it is relentless, the amount of, of energy and um, effort because – they don't. They don't. Your world uh, totally changes because everything revolves around them. So uh, just make sure that you take care of the wife. Make sure that she has her her rest. Uh, make sure that you you're there for her. And uh, don't you know? Don't don't think that you're the one that's going that that's got it bad. Uh, you know, because the wife, uh, man, I commend what they do. Uh, the time that they put in for these children, the amount of uh, you know effort that they have to put in, and it's it's 24 hours a day. So. Be there for your wife and make sure you try to you kind of take that, that burden off of her. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. i got to say, Terrell Davis, you're a first-class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Hey, dads, are you looking to boost your energy level? 
Strikeforce Energy has got you covered. With a Strikeforce Energy Packet, you can turn any beverage into an energy drink. Their original energy packets contain no sugar, no calories, just an explosion of energy and flavor added to any beverage. Strikeforce Energy is veteran-owned, and all their products are made right here in the United States. Co-founded by Navy SEAL Sean Matson, Strikeforce Energy blows away the energy drink competition. Right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save 15% off their purchase by visiting StrikeforceEnergy.com and using the promo code FATHERHOOD. Strikeforce Energy turns any beverage into an energy drink. Get yours today. StrikeforceEnergy.com, promo code FATHERHOOD. All right, First Class Fatherhood is live here. Super Bowl media day. We're waiting for the Rams to show up. See what kind of First Class Fathers they got in that batch. We're down here on the field. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. That was me on arrival there, live from Atlanta when I was doing some Facebook Live activity. Let's get to the clips here. The first clip I'm going to hit you with is with Los Angeles Rams defensive back Sam Shields. He wasn't in one of the boots answering questions. I caught him walking around the stadium here, so take a listen. All right, live here, Sam Shields, NFL Media Day. Sam, real quick, um, what are some of the difficulties of being a, a father while being such a high-level NFL player? Um, man, it, it, it's a tough task because you, you miss a lot. You miss a lot of birthdays, uh, a lot of holidays with your, with your family, with your kids. But, you know, um, you just do whatever you, you, you can do. You know, how did uh, your your you have a daughter, right? Yeah. How did she handle when you changed teams and moved from one city to another? How was she with that, or did she like one place nah. better than the other? Nah, she she basically she just you know stay in Florida. She she don't matter. She just love me playing. She just love for me to be out there. How, how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Man, doing the right things, you know, at all times because it, it don't come back on me. It come back on them. Awesome, yeah. Sam. Good luck tomorrow. All right, the next guy I ran into, he was walking around the field as well, was the Los Angeles Rams run coordinator and offensive line coach, Aaron Cromer. All right, we're live here with Aaron Cromer from the Rams, First Class Fatherhood coming at you. Aaron, what are some of the, um, the fun things and some of the challenges for the players on the team as far as being a dad while being such high-level elite NFL players? You know, the, the best thing they can do is lead by example. And most of our guys on our team do lead by example. And, you know, me as a coach, I've been in a situation where my son Zach works with me and I we have the most enjoyable day every day of our lives because we get to work together and, and, and enjoy this experience together. Awesome. How did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Well, you're responsible for more than just yourself and, and you have to hold yourself at a higher standard to make sure that you are in a position to help your son or your daughter grow. Next up, take a listen to New England Patriots defensive end Trey Flowers, who just had a baby at the end of the NFL season. Hey, Trey, let me, let me use that to segue. I'm from First Class Fatherhood. You just had a, a young baby now in November. You missed some practice time. How, how has becoming a father changed your perspective on life? Oh, yeah, it's definitely uh, changing the way that you understand that, you know, you're not only doing it for yourself. You're doing it for, you know, your offspring, your, offspring, your kids and things like that. A lot of people looking up to you. A lot of people depending on you to, you know, make sure you do the right thing, depending on you to, you know, be a positive role model. So, you know, once you grab that understanding of fatherhood and know that, you know, you got some good mindset, depending on you, especially for you to you know, be a high character guy, you know, you know, you just pretty much gonna do it for them. If, if the baby's due date had been this weekend, what would have been the decision here? Uh, 
That's tough. I think I think she would have wanted me to be here. Um, you know, I probably being so close to the home, I probably could have been able to, you know, kind of do both. But you know, I think she would have wanted me to be here. And, you know, and then I, you know, I would have saw her on the back end. But uh, you know, I, I'm hoping I, I could have. I'm, I'm blessed it was, you know, early on, but, you know, I hope not. if it would have happened, I probably could have, you know, finessed it, went home for a little bit and came back. All right, here is the New England Patriots' strong safety, Patrick Chung. Hey, Patrick, I'm from First Class Fatherhood. How did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Because it goes from thinking about yourself to you have no thought about yourself. It goes from that to that, like my son is so being able to give him what I didn't have, teach him the things that my dad taught me, it's way bigger than football. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, playing great I do this for myself. So just seeing him, you know, I love you guys. Give me a hug. Just like a random hug out of nowhere. Those are the big two. Is your son into Fortnite or does he play Madden more? He plays all his. He's Madden, Fortnite, um, NHL. You get in there, is it a battle royale with him or what? I don't know. I love you still, but Madden, I will make sure he never beats me at Madden. Does he use your player in the game a lot? Yeah, he plays Benji all the time. Yeah, but the day he beats me is the day he earns me. I'll give him that. Are you having any more? I want to. I want a girl. Awesome. Love it. All the hood rocks, man. All right, the next guy that I had the opportunity to ask some questions to had a pretty big mob of media around him as well, but I was able to make it up to the front with him. Patriots wide receiver, Julian Edelman. Hey, Julian, I'm from First Class Fatherhood. How did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Change it huge because you go from living for yourself to living for someone else. You know, you have some... It's just a different kind of love. It really is. What are some of the challenges or difficulties playing in the NFL at such an elite level while being a dad? There's definitely a little sacrifice that you have to have in family time. Um, and it's tough, but, um, you know, it's, it's just part of my life. And there'll be a lot we get to do after. Are you having any more? <laughs> Hopefully not anytime soon. All right, this next guy is a tough interview for just about everybody who uh, takes a crack at him. I did my best here to have him talk about fatherhood. New England Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick. Hey, coach, I'm from First Class Fatherhood. What are some of the challenges or difficulties of being a dad while being such a one of the greatest coaches of all time? Well, I think we all know parenting has its challenges, but um, I love my kids, and, and they're great kids. I'm proud of them. So, how has becoming a father kind of changed your perspective on life? It's changed it a lot. It's, you know, you, you have a commitment to somebody else. What kind of advice would you give to other young dads that are playing in the NFL right now? I don't know. All right, I did as best as I could there with Belichick. He had another uh, swarm of media around him, so I had to rapidly fire off some questions. I did my best. Uh, finally, we have the star of the show, NFL immortal, legendary quarterback, five-time Super Bowl winner, could be six depending on what happens today, Tom Brady. Tom, let me use that, let me use that to say well, I'm from first-class fatherhood. How do becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Well, life's 
more about, you know, I think up until you have kids, it's all about you. And when you have kids, it's it's about the family. And there's still a lot of responsibilities you need to take care of as a parent, but, you know, your kids are, you know, they're looking to you. You're the provider. You're the mentor. You're the, you know, the father. You provide the guidance. And uh, I had the best mom and dad, and they were just great examples for me. And I got a, you know, the best partner I could have ever asked for in life with my wife to help raise, you know, our, our beautiful kids. Well, the Patriots, you guys changed players quite a bit. Now, have your kids ever become attached to somebody else's kids, and then they got traded or moved away? How did that kind of affect them? You know, my daughter loves all the, the animals, so she loves the lions and the dolphins and, you know, the jaguars and, you know... Those, those are the ones she likes. So, outside the Patriots, those are those are the ones she loves. If there were a unicorn team, that would be her team, the unicorns. Yeah, my daughter as well. You having any more kids or no? I don't. I'm not sure. Right. I'm not sure. All right. That's a pretty personal question. Fatherhood rocks. Have some more. You're first class father, That's Tom. Right. Thank you. All right, there was some good stuff there. I kind of caught Brady a little off guard with that last question about whether or not he's having kids. He didn't seem to hear or maybe he didn't understand my second question there, but what can you do? I really enjoyed the entire experience. I had an awesome time. I feel very blessed to have had this opportunity. I learned many lessons on the trip that I will apply moving forward. Please hit me up on Twitter or drop me a DM on Instagram and let me know what you thought about today's uh, special episode. I hope you enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday, maybe even win a couple of bucks on a Super Bowl box pool. I will be back this week with some great content, some awesome guests. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.